Sweat Equity Podcast and Streaming Show, the number one comedy business podcast in the world. Pragmatic entrepreneurial advice with real raw dog talk. In that right, Eric? I don't care. I don't care if you say that. Say it all you want. Hey, man, we're award. Doesn't bother me at all. This is an award-winning podcast. You see how good we are? We talk over each other. Award-winning podcast. Because we won 2020's Best Small Medium Enterprise Business Advisory Podcast in the United States thanks to Lux Global Excellence Awards proudly hosted by Lux Life Magazine. Woo! You've got some vintage in your head going on right now. <laughs> Wowie. Yeah, yo! Uh, we've got Max Trailer on, uh, entrepreneur, professional paintballer, author, podcaster, business coach, thinking partner, product creator, and producer of consulting products of uh producer of consulting products productize your services uh all his info will be in the description of this episode this episode is brought to you by grasshopper try grasshopper.com forward slash sweat gets you 75 dollars off an annual plan the entrepreneurs phone line what you need an extra business phone number you can't have it go to your personal and go who dis you can't uh, have it go to a Google voice number and then say no limit studio when you pick up the phone. Even oh, that's though that's a good joke. That's even though that's funny. It's pretty funny. It Try grasshopper.com forward slash sweat. We'll get you $75. It's the only place that URL will get you $75 off an annual plan. It's a scalable business phone line. You want a vanity number? You want a 1 800 number? You want uh, a local area number, local area code number? It's got it all. You can choose right in the app. Try grasshopper.com forward slash sweat. It's got a desktop app. It's got a mobile app. And we get $75 off an annual plan. Yeah. Who loves you like we do? Let's get this party started. Howdy, Tony. What about my sweat equity? Sweat equity. Sweat equity. My sweat equity. My sweat equity. Do we want to just roll into it? Yeah, roll into it, dog. Yeah, we can we can rock and roll. We can rock and roll. Uh, why hat, you, no, hat, no hat sounds better. You no do what you want, better. man. <laughs> Got that. For the video peeps that watch this, uh, they they like the the hat head no hat look. I think. You know. Well, it's new. It's new for me. This is a byproduct of uh, my second kid. I just don't give a. Oh yeah, you're at that yeah. point. So how is yeah. uh, how how young is the babe? So you and I talked uh, what a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I have no idea how you guys know each other. <laughs> uh, Craigslist. Neither, neither do I. I've, I've even forgotten. So let's not. <laughs> your people uh, reached out to me to come on your show. That's it. And I'm. Uh, I need probably clearance if I'm talking about the uh, the day job kind of stuff. Um, just because I'm new, I don't know what's kosher and what's not, you know, ah, I see, you know, we try not to bring up the brands we work for on yeah. this show. Cause it doesn't add any value to us or the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's it called? Uh, so your assistant, uh, reached out to me via LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, you and I connected and, uh, you did the, <laughs> you did the, uh, I usually don't do them, but, uh, I was like, ah, it's not hard to do a pre interview for a podcast. Yeah. I was like, nah, it's good on you for being thorough. I'm just like, I don't need, I don't need it. My ego is like, I don't need that pre-interview. But well, who yeah. was getting interviewed? The pre-interview, you or him? He was pre-interviewing me oh, oh, oh. to go on his show. We did the beers yeah. with Max, right? That's the one. Yeah, uh, it's on Spotify. Uh, we got to do your plugs at the top because I'll forget. Oh uh, well, it, it could be. I mean, I. Yeah, but I, look, I've I've been watching some of your stuff, and I was it had me laughing. I was watching this last episode with uh, your your buddy Johnny there. So nice. Uh, I'm excited. Nice. You guys got a good thing. I I get it. I get the uh, <laughs> thanks. That what you're doing. <laughs> you like our. We angle. need that sometimes. Yes. Yeah, so well, I'm listening to it. I'm going. Hell, if I know what we're going to talk about, but it'd probably exactly. be fun. Yeah, It'd be cool. So, like, I'll I'll go with you know we're, whatever. Look, my love language is it is cool what? if I drink the only is it cool if I drink beer because. Yes. Yeah, we encourage I'll, I'll it. Lose Please myself do. 
We Please definitely, do. yeah, we encourage it. No, my, and you speak, I don't, I can't speak for Eric, his love language, but I receive it by words of affirmation. So yeah. Those, to, yeah, that works for me. We need to hear that. A little, a little, lots of, lots of compliments, regardless of what I'm talking about. Lots of compliments for you. Yeah. I'm a thirsty stand up. I mean, that's all thirsty stand up. Yeah, yeah. That's this show and stand up is like all about just trying to get some and girthy ROI. I don't think I'll ever forget that. <laughs> Good. Yeah. You I did live. it. Yeah. You did so it. I got I it in someone's head. I, I can't wait for like a proper executive board meeting and going, look, your, your guys ROI just ain't girthy enough. That's, right. Yes. That's, ex- that's what it is. That. That's exactly how it happened because i mean how many times uh, have you done reporting uh for a client or it's uh, always the elephant in the room it's girth it's not the length of the revenue stream it's uh you know yes well so yeah sometimes i we get so bored doing like a reporting update for clients or something and i can see them zoning out so you just kind of mad libs it and just throw some words in that aren't technically dirty you you should get like proper porn stars to present it If I had that kind of access, I don't know if uh, that probably be take a whole over my different life. show. I don't know how much access you need? Uh-huh. I don't know how much access you need, really. I think it's an easy market to break into. Well, uh, maybe <laughs> I ain't packing enough heat for that. I can tell you that much. All right, uh, your book um, with the show. Uh, how to productize consulting services and do other things better too. Uh, your agency survival guide. If you're watching this on video, we've got it propped up between Eric and I, um, I just, I was thinking about this on the way up. So let's, how about this, uh, explain what productizing means because it's kind of a, I think everybody kind of grasped it, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll do it in a very, uh, bro way. It's taking, it's taking the things you know how to do, making it a product, making it a product. <laughs> so, Smart. Um, that book, Scaling Up, that we've both kind of dabbled in, yeah. talks about every service company uh, ends up uh, selling products eventually when they scale up, and then vice versa the yeah. other way. So when you're a product company, you eventually have services. So you'll see that Apple's doing it. They have a lot of products. They might think they're reaching their market cap, and so they're starting to offer those like uh, Apple TV, Apple Music subscription, Plus, all this the subscription stuff. Um, you know, the other way around was, I think, like Infusionsoft, the one that made made a bunch of like accounting software. You know, they were doing the services as accountants and then they made the software and kind of commoditized that, productized that. I guess not commoditized, but hmm. uh, they monetized it. How about that? Into a product. Is that that's a, a bro bro way of I me trying to explain it. What say you? How do you kind of explain what productizing? <laughs> what say you? What say you, sir? Uh, uh, steps and things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you want you, you want even less information? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I don't know why I chose that word. Maybe I wanted it to sound different. And oddly enough, people reach out to me and they're like, "We're just thinking about productizing." And I'm like, "I don't even know what you're talking about." <laughs> I was gonna so, say I've never heard it. Yeah, that word exactly. Um, but it, it's, it just means that if people selling a service don't go into enough detail on the steps that it takes, if you want to use a big word like operations, uh, they don't, they don't put enough emphasis on the operations of their service. So they don't know what it costs. Like Nike wouldn't sell a shoe if they didn't know how much it costs to produce it. And yet you've got the best strategy, uh, consultancies in the world without standard operating procedure for their services. So uh, you, need, you need steps and then you need reusable things like templates and tools, which again, people don't do. Uh, so it, it's more of just a big word for the fundamentals of a professional services business or the thing that contributes to professional services businesses bleeding out. You need operations and you need reusable uh, tools. And um, there you go. Okay. so productizing the way you would do it if anybody's listening that has a professional services business and i kind of tell everybody this if you really want to scale up you have to figure out process like yeah i mean you should just philosophically for your life figure out some processes template a lot of life things scale up your life routines like or you're going to be that person that's always late and like just has just shit all over their car and Mm -hmm. like you know like Oh, yeah. always like 
flustered. Playing catch up. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Came out of nowhere. You know, those people. Getting showered this morning. Right. And it's like, yeah, uh, you know how time works. I don't, I don't know how some people are just consistently late that can't argue to me that it's not a power move or like a subconscious. My, my, like, yeah. My, my, my in-laws will give us the, uh, oh, we're just jumping into the shower. Oh. And it's the time when they're supposed to be here. Oh, man. Yeah. That, well, okay. careful with that talk, though. I, I've got to kind of, I, I wouldn't say I'm on time for everything, everything. But if it's something that's work related or a dinner reservation, a stand up show for sure, like there's something, I'm usually 15 minutes early if I can be. Um, but like a barbecue or a family dinner, meh. Right. Unless like, the food has to be out at a certain time or you got to feed the kids early. So you got, they have to be there on time. So there I, is no late for that though. Yeah. You know, that's not, you can't even really be late. Right. But I, I'm guessing the jump in the shower thing is like when they delay a flight, that's uh, maybe two hours delay, but they're like, it's delayed 20 minutes. Oh, and you're yeah. like, oh cool. Cool. All right, yeah. it's not too you bad. start to work out all the people in your life who, you know, to build in that buffer. Oh, okay. You'll be here in twenty minutes, right? See you in an hour and twenty minutes. I, I have to do that for tea times. I'm a I'm a golfer, and I got my list of friends where I have to lie to them. Oh yeah, yeah, and then yeah, you have to do this stupid math for your Dumbo friends that idiot your friends like, can't work a clock. Well, it's like, dude, come on, I have to do. We're gonna do this in perpetuity. Like I have to, I I have to remember that you're not on time. You're yeah. not punctual. Literally, one of the easiest things to do. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm with you. College football rule: if you're not 15 minutes early to practice, you're late. Uh, my one of my best friends puts his watch 15 minutes ahead, like old school. And I'm like, dude, just that's, fucking uh, that's be an- on time. Exactly. Like, that's another thing. Are you tricking yourself? With, <laughs> like what? And then you're just going, ah, this thing's fast. I'll be all right. And then they just ignore that, anyways. It's like, what are we doing? That kind of dovetails time wise. I'm guessing the the entry point where you would help a company would be commo- like commoditizing the time, actually. So figuring out that cost rate versus bill rate. Because if you're a service, a product's easy, like you're talking about. You have a shoe. Okay, you can break down the shoe parts, uh, the labor that goes into each shoe, whatever, child labor, if it was the Nike scenario. Sure. Um, cheaper. The, Way cheaper. We don't talk about that anymore. I don't know why. You know? Yeah, they just got it. Yeah. That used to be a huge thing in the 90s, and it's just like, meh. Yeah. Whatever. We're over it. Um, it went on to uh, iPhones and Foxconn and mm. Suicide Nets. Yeah. Ooh, I hear some babies in the background. Uh-oh. You got the symphony now. That's my background music. Yeah, they definitely don't care that you're doing a podcast. Yeah. Can we do two interviews? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you, got, uh, you guys want to do the extended version? We, I, can just, live, we I know, can just live in my office. We know you have a, a ticking clock of how long you can get uh, by without being interrupted, I'm sure. Um <laughs> But the uh, it never it never ends. Who 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 sold the world on having kids? I, that's what I want to know. I I, I want to hear this angle. <laughs> Go ahead. That, but that's my point. What is the angle? Like who who showed up and and gave the pros and cons and had anything in the pros department? It's biology, really. Yeah. Uh, biology. It, I mean, so, guys are not. Or, you know. <laughs> if I mean, that's what happens. We have a kid from getting laid. Fine. You and Genghis deal Khan, with that later. You and Genghis Khan would not be friends. Uh, didn't he sire like a third of the world at one point or something like that? I think like yeah, a third of the world around, is a descendant okay, of him. So he didn't something. stick around though. I, I guess. I guess the argument is responsibility. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Who sold the world on being Who a good sold dad? The world on responsibility. I want to meet that. Like when you want to bounce on your kids, we're right in Florida, man. We're we're in deadbeat dad territory. So you need to start that new life with the Hooters waitress that you just met because she's really nice to you. Uh, she wrote her name with a heart she on the table. To me, man. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna have a before and after interview a year from now. <laughs> um, Live from Hooters from a trailer park in Alabama. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing that's the when you start working with someone to productize their service. I'm guessing that's probably where you'd start. Let's figure out your project management, your labor cost, and let's start breaking that down. No, yes. Well. I, I had some experiences uh, growing up and running an agency that made me literally not care about 99% of the services uh, people are selling. 
like anything where you're where you're building or doing work i don't like it i don't like it. it's commoditized like uh like building websites like creating content the doing of things i don't like it i never touch it i don't care interesting Be- because it's saturated it's commoditized you got you got weight you got big old market forces that are training your replacements and when you're replaceable, the money you can charge goes down. I, I lived it. I, I could charge a lot for a website and a lot for blogs. And then blogging became the thing. And these these companies, like the one you were talking about, and like HubSpot, trained all these agencies. And then the industry was saturated. You can get a blog for, for $5. The, the thing that uh, agencies do or should charge for that doesn't follow that rule is strategy, planning, thinking, uh, and so that's the only thing uh, that I focus on. So productized consulting services. So I usually look at a company and say, you're not charging for the thing that is most valuable and difficult to replace. Your unique knowledge, the, the planning that you do, the stuff that you're probably giving away for free. And I consider that the key to profitability, the key to controlling client engagements, the key to differentiation, you know, pick your, uh, pick your buzzword. But that's the only thing I think about. And uh, usually people are giving it away either in the sales process or they're bundling it with these commoditized deliverables, which means they never get credit for it. They never make any money on it. Um, or, or you look at these big uh, agencies that sell strategy and consulting for like a million dollars and there's zero operations, zero rhyme or reason to it. They just pay people all types of truckload of money to just like figure it out. Yeah. That, uh, to me, the latter is more of what a lot of marketing agencies specifically, they're very good at the business development. They're not so good at the execution. So, yeah, it's, it's a tale of two, uh, two time periods. You got, the, you got the fat and happy, you know, old, old agency uh, that charge millions of dollars for the, for the strategy work and have the, and have the you know, big guys in there and they, and they just figure it out as they go and there's no rhyme or reason to it. And then you got the new gritty entrepreneurial uh, agency space that came about from from business owners that saw marketing as this new contributor to revenue. Um, and but the thing is that like a lot of those business owners that have come up in the last ten years, they've been trained by software companies, and the software companies want button pushers. They don't want profitable agencies making money on strategy because. God forbid they recommend not, you know, their, their, uh, their software product. So anyway, um, but long story short, I, I get brought in to um, make sure people are charging for their plants and their knowledge. So I guess what is the, um, if I, I'm a professional services business, I'm, a, I'm an attor- a small law firm. I own, you know, I'm an attorney. I own a small law firm. Um, and when would I, when would I know to contact someone like you to productize what we're doing? I think we're doing pretty good. We got from here to here. We want to get to the next level kind of thing. Uh, I know I need some outside help. When's the, when is the entry point where someone like yourself comes in? You know, if anybody's listening, they're like, you know, I might need something like this at some point, but I don't know when that threshold hits. Yeah. My immediate answer is like, you know, when do you, when do you start making more money? It's like this, it's like the silly default answer of like, you know, obviously as soon as possible, you want to be making more money and you want to be differentiated. Like who doesn't want to charge more? But honestly, I think it's when you really, you, you, you know what you're doing. And a lot of people don't give themselves enough credit. A lot of people will go their entire careers and not believe they know what they're doing. Imposter syndrome, real thing. But I'm talking about oh, like yeah. if you're if you're just starting out and you're and you're figuring it out and you're getting your legs underneath you. Yeah, it's not time to uh, invest your time and focus on saying we're going to do you know we're going to sell this batch of knowledge and we're going to run this process. Um, it's probably, I mean, what's your sample size, maybe 10, 10 engagements, 20 engagements before you start to say, all right, I can see some patterns here. I can actually ask my paying customers what they get the most value out of what they get the least value out of. And that starts to give you enough information to say, all right, well now 
instead of taking orders from our clients and doing what they want us to do, we're going to kind of come into our own and we're going to say, hey, it's our responsibility to do, uh, to do things this way because, because we're confident that this is how you're going to get you know, the most value. So, um, going from like lead generation to demand generation, as that's a fun buzzword everywhere, where I'm going to tell you what you need from us or we're not going to work with you kind of thing. Or, you know, I, you know what I was thinking on the drive over here? Your book is a meta example of uh, productizing. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There yeah. you go. Look yeah. The big brain on Brett. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's um, what's it called? But yeah, I mean, that's basically what a lot of business books are. I mean, you're given the how to guide uh, on how to, how, how your agency can survive. By the way, having that on my desk with people walking by, I made sure to keep the, uh, the shipping label there so it wasn't it didn't look like i was reading this because we need it yeah. uh i was like oh no 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 my new disclaimer no no this is just research for the podcast <laughs> yeah. i'm not um, i'm smart i promise it looks like you're trying to survive your job just based on the, the right right the title yeah uh, i was like uh <laughs> i was like how do i, I survive at some other self-help books or something you'll want to forage for sticks to make a fire first <laughs> Are you there? What is it? What's the period book? Are you there? Oh, fuck it. Uh, what? Uh, what's the book? Are you there, Margaret? Are you there yet? Ah, oh, fuck it. Man, my brain is dead. Is uh, it about periods? Are you bleeding right yeah, now? Yeah, it's about periods. Oh, okay. You didn't know that? I didn't know if you meant it was like a period piece. I guess it still <laughs> no, is. No, But I'm just saying. It's not Little like, Women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Great uh, expectation. So, so you kind of... Uh, when we talked previously, you came from kind of generations of entrepreneurial family uh, successes, success stories, it sounded like, from what I recall. Um, and so you kind of got a head start on a lot of people, I'd say, because you're relatively young to be uh, dispensing this kind of knowledge that is what someone would do, you know, later, way later in their career. Um can you tell us about your kind of upbringing and kind of how you got to here, I guess? Because this show, yeah, I mean, really, we want to talk about, like, how you get from, like, I want to do this uh, brand or this idea or this business, uh, and I'm going to do it on the side, you know, my side hustle until I can do it full time. And that's kind of what I hope the audience kind of is listening for, uh, some practical advice on that that route. But I feel like your your family background kind of set the table for you a bit. Yeah, I'll give you the I'll give you the the short rant uh, to uh, to inspire the short opinionated rant to inspire people. I used to walk into my dad's office when I was five years old. My dad tells a lot of stories. The first story that he tells about me, I walked into his office. I was about five, and I'd say, "Dad, where do you make the money?" Uh, and he'd say, well, and he realized that I actually thought he was printing money in his office. He said, no, I'm actually can't, you can't do that. That's illegal. Uh, but I have a digital scalable residual business model. And, uh, he explained, cause I didn't know what the hell that meant. And he explained that if you do something once you should get paid forever. And I was like, wow, that's pretty powerful. And he was like, well, you know, that's the reason we go to Disney world all the time. And he worked from home, which was really rare. So he was like the coolest dad. We'd always he'd always bring like me and my friends to Disney World and everywhere because he because he could because he was at home all the time. And uh, my dad, takeaway from that was just a drug dealer by all accounts. <laughs> right, that <laughs> sold weed possible. to everybody. <laughs> that's certainly you're gonna owe me back. for life. Yeah. <laughs> I can do it one time. Get paid forever. out, man. Yeah, do it once. You man. don't get out of this game, okay? <laughs> that's called heroin. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, that could be it. Um, but my takeaway was that, uh, you should put your personal life first and then you should make decisions about business after you know exactly what you wanted to do with your personal life. And, uh, he wanted to play tennis every day and hang out with me as, uh, as much as possible. So, um, moral of the story is I get into marketing cause I, uh, I, I liked marketing and I started running a professional services company, an agency where you trade time for dollars. And it's a miserably difficult model to scale. And he just kind of laughed and thought I wasn't listening as a kid and said, well, I, you know, all right, try, you know, 
go at it. But every time I hit my goals, every time I grew the business, my personal life got worse until I discovered, until I discovered strategy. And I, I discovered that I could sell strategy for whatever I wanted. Uh, you know, we, we created this like McDonald's version uh, content strategy that we sold for like 2,500 bucks. And a couple months later, we were selling it for 30 grand um, because we positioned it properly. We, we, anyway, long story short, I learned the strategy. Yeah. Perceived value. And, but the thing about the rest of the services was it didn't play by those rules. Mm -hmm. You could say that blog, you could say your website, you could say, because that's uh, one that's one tactic in amongst yeah you, it could you be could 30 say, sure, different hey, others it's making it's making you a million dollars so i'll charge you 500 grand but then they'd go oh wait let me google like all these freelance gig networks like i can replace you in a minute it doesn't matter what it's worth if you're replaceable right so we had to create something that was unique in the marketplace where they couldn't shop for it and it turns out all you need is like a catchy name and a really good story and then it's perceived as unique and we had this content strategy for uh, higher education and we had the history and the, and the, uh, you know, the background and working in higher ed. So, you know, it was passable. And, uh, so we could charge whatever we wanted for it. And it was like five grand an hour or something was the equivalent. And it just changed my life. Cause we were, we were scrapping, you know, the barrel, hardly making any money, managing these difficult contracts, making websites and content, all this crap. And we just saw thousands of companies popping up doing the exact same thing. And then here we are making five grand an hour, like selling ideas, saying like, I yeah, put this over here, put that over here. It's a nice little formula. Here's some pictures. What do you think of that? And they're like, oh my God, we love you. Who should we work with? And then we bring in vendors and make a percentage of the revenue that the vendors were making. Mm -hmm. Now we're just making residuals on, on their money. We we're, the, were the kings of the universe. So that changed my life. And uh, not too long after that, we were asked to teach other agencies how to do that. So now I'm in a licensing model. Now I'm telling, now I'm showing people how to do it. They're going out charging $20,000, $30,000 for this process. And I'm making 20% off of everything that they're making. And that was my discovery that intellectual property is worth something. So discovery number one, strategy, you can charge an arm and a leg. Number two, you don't even have to do the strategy. You're, you're, the, the knowledge, the, the structure behind it. Uh, the intellectual property is uh, is worth something. So I, I digress. My I, message I, well, can to... I, can I add, you probably had credibility that the strategy worked, right? So like... I sure hope so. Here, really? So you weren't like, hey, here's the content strategy used for uh, these clients previously. It gave them this ROI back. Uh, or you could just go, this is the strategy and just feel fine. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. Well, that brings me back to my point about like, okay, when, when do you have confidence that you know what you're doing and you say, okay, we're going to do things my way. And you stop, you stop taking directions from your client that tells you, I want you to build this website. I want you to, I want it to look like this. Mm -hmm. And you say, Hey, what you really want is a website to grow your business. We have a system and a structure to ensure that it's going to grow the most and we can explain it to you, but we have to do it our way if we're going to take your money. There, there is, you know, there is a point that you reach where you're confident enough to, to do it your way. Um, but again, most people are past that point. Most people know how to do it. And for some reason, imposter syndrome, or I don't know why. Well, you got imposter uh, syndrome on one side, right? And then you got Dunning-Kruger, which our age group and, and younger has, where you, you watch a YouTube video and you think you're an expert. So there's a weird, you know, balance between the two kind of thing. Cause I never, I, you know, I'm aware of that one, the Dunning Kruger effect, uh, because I hate all the kind of tech agencies that, <laughs> that talk a lot of shit and don't actually do it. And I don't believe them and they don't feel credible at all. Um, you know, I've got imposter syndrome when, even when <laughs> shit's going well, you know, uh, I guess that's when it kind of comes into effect a little bit, but it's that thing. <laughs> yeah. Of, but it's that thing of like, if it's not working. Then why would you feel like an imposter? Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, the, mo the most sobering thing that you can do. And my, my business partner is a, uh, we, we, you know, we do this for a reason is to interview your current and past customers. Yeah. 
on a regular basis. It doesn't matter how long, like interview them and ask them what's going on. Is it working? If it's not working to what degree, what's wrong with it? That's the only way to know. Mm -hmm. And people literally do not talk to their existing customers, let alone their past customers. So they don't know. And, and one of the things that we do always with every customer as soon as possible is talk to every single one of their customers to understand what they see as most valuable and what they see as least valuable. And what we find a lot with professional service organizations that don't sell strategy, that don't sell consulting, that don't sell planning is we ask the customers what they see as most valuable and they basically describe yeah. strategy, consulting, planning, decision support. We go to them because we don't know what to do. They don't describe, well, they created this website for us. It's really cool. Right. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. And, you know, strategy in my head is always strategy is a fun idea unless you, you without execution, it's just a fun idea kind of thing. Like, it's a, yeah, but you don't have to do it. I know. I know. I'm, I, I wish you'd talk to me about seven years ago. I was going to say the same thing. Where were you? <laughs> like, well, we were, like, although we were, in retrospect, like, coaches, we were, like coaches of professional teams have a job and it's the same argument. It's like, oh, well you, you have to have coaching and you have to have, you know, playing. Yes, you do need both. And, and yet there are business models for, for both of those pieces, pieces. There's a coaching, there's a strategy business model. You've got consultancies all over the place. Sales consultancies are a great uh, thing to look at as an industry that's about 15 years ahead of where marketing is today. Mm -hmm. Marketing just recently got a seat at the revenue table. So they're like the new kid on the block. And for the last, like, since that happened, it's been largely dominated by deliver, you know, build content, build ads for, for a short amount of time. You could, uh, you could make margin off of ad spend until the, the market for creative got really saturated. So that was like a really cool period. That's where like the mad men, you know, shows came from. Then it just got really shitty. And now it's just eating people alive because you got software companies reducing the barriers to entry, dumping millions of dollars into training. And you got 13-year-olds saying that they're the greatest agency in the world and, and clients don't know the difference. And so we can't make money anymore unless we say, hey, the industry is complex, right? Yeah. We're going to sell you answers and plans mm -hmm. and knowledge because we're old and we've been around the block. We've done this shit. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to really charge a premium, then put a name on it. Build a build a cool story around it. Differentiate it. Well, also, your branding is another intangible that a lot of people um, should pay for, and they probably uh, from let's just go from the marketing agency aspect. They probably just throw it in there with the services, just like strategy, like you're saying. Um, and so, branding it correctly, I think, is also you know, there's a brand strategy. To, all, to what you're doing, but also how you're trying to teach them, you know, we're getting into more of an intangible kind of society or, or marketplace. So branding is another thing that's like, what is that? You know, when you ask people what strategy is, you can get a wild amount of answers, right? Um, plan. It's a, it's a plan. Right. Yeah. I mean, yes. We, we're going to do this. Right. That's a strategy. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I like how you're, you're – <laughs> Your definitions are more caveman than than. <laughs> Didn't think you could top us on caveman yeah. cavemaning things, but yeah. good job. Brevity's the soul of wit. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's that thing of like, I, I'm sure you got to that point because you've talked about this probably since you're five. Um, yeah, uh, you know, trying to figure out the strategy with your dad selling weed, you know, with in the turf that you all could sell him, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. He, he actually uh, learned more about the do not call laws than anybody else <laughs> because he figured that uh, compliance would never go, like you would never fire the compliance guy mm -hmm. and you didn't know anything about it, but that's what, that's what he figured. Like I want to do, I want to do anything I want to do. So I need to pick something that will never be fired compliance guy. And so he just learned about it, blogged about it, made videos about it. If you Google do not call protection, you will find Bob Tritt's all you'll find. And he just told companies like, hey, when people call me, 
I'm going to recommend they work with you and I want 20% for life. And they were like, no, we pay our salespeople 4%. And he was like, well, great. Well, here's a deal. Here's a deal on a silver platter. I'll talk to you next week. And they're like, what? <laughs> and then you give them another deal and so another deal they until they had yeah, to man. work with them. Until they had to work with them. Uh-huh. He played by his rules and he's still getting paid for deals that he did, you know, 15, 15 years ago. It doesn't make an arm and a leg. He makes like 200 grand a year, but that's enough to play tennis whenever you want. Yeah, but he hit his goals. It's like you said, he started with what do I want personal to do? Personal life. Yeah, what Put do I want to do? Yeah, what do I want right. to do? And I'm going to reverse engineer it from there. And unfortunately, like we grow, you know, nine to five, if that, and, and then you got this, uh, you know, then you got this like work your ass off culture for a while that said like, oh, you work on the weekends, like, you know, it's like the American dream or something. I don't know where you just like sacrifice everything to, to work your ass off for the man. Um, but I, I think that's shifting a bit. Uh, especially during COVID where people are um, working from home and realizing that for the last 10, 20 years, they've been driving to and from work and mm-hmm. wasting four hours of their life every single day, not to mention being really pissed off in traffic, like the mental toll that takes on you. So there's just been so much Can't wait to get the nonsense. cyber, cyber truck. Let yeah, there's so much nonsense. Itself. Yeah, I'm gonna get fucked up and let it drive me everywhere. Yeah, definitely yeah. do that. Um, so that was so yes, that was cool. I had a I had a um, unfair advantage in that I grew up with like someone telling me, "Look, there are no rules. Like you you can you can sell anything you want to whoever you want for whatever price you want, as long as you just like decide that's what you want to do, and as long as you know that when you are successful with that." you'll have like a good life. People don't think about that. They're like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to like you know, build this whole business and it's going to be successful, but they don't think about like what their personal life is going to be like when they are successful. And it's usually a complete sacrifice. Yeah. And what's interesting as we're talking to you, you don't have the disposition of a lot of guys that are what I would think in your position. Uh, like, you know, these agency, former agency owners or whatever, they're all kind of twitchy and like almost like, um, a friend that stopped drinking and is always like smoking cigarettes and tapping the tea. You know, that kind of antsy, like, ah, like that kind of energy. And you, they kind of celebrate that their phone is ringing off the hook 24 seven. And like they were at the office for 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah. You get a productivity boner. It, um, like, yeah, Ooh, that's it. Mm-hmm. Girthy ROI and productivity. Boner. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And your dad was given that, <laughs> uh, big girth energy. <laughs> uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, but, it sounds like, you know, that uh, I talk about like we talk about it uh, in relationships, like that person that's so anxious and eager and just, uh, you know, trying to ask out a girl. And ne- she's never like, yeah, sweet. I want the, that energy the, around me. The, the people that attract are the ones that really know themselves. And I think that's what that's what I was given is like you figure out what you want your personal life to be like. That's you having confidence in who you are. That guides every business decision. And, and the fact is that when you put your personal life first and you stop thinking about working eight hours a day and five days a week and, and things like that, um, then you start making business decisions that to everyone else in the world sound completely crazy. Like, what do you mean you can do that? And um, those are my, th- those are, that's what got me into this business. Wasn't like I could make, I could help people make more money. That was easy. Anybody could do that. It was a few times when people were like, yeah, I just spent six months in Africa with my family. And while I was there, my business doubled. Yeah. And that was something that you did. And I was like, whoa, that's a different feeling. Or like a, a client I have now, she's like, yeah, I've made, you know, it's May. I've made more money this year than I've ever made an entire year before. And oh, by the way, I'm still doing the three days a week thing. Hmm. Interesting. You're only working three days a week. So that's what I, that's what I, uh, I try to, you know, start with, with people is like, no, what, what do you actually want? You like kids, you like snowboarding, you like doing these things. Great. Well, how about you do more of that than work? And that's going to force you to do some things like double your prices, which I don't care who you are. Everyone should double their prices today because it's simply the start of a better conversation. You can always go down in price. You can always go down. 
Yeah. That's the and, theory, and for right? some reason, perceived value goes up the more you charge. If I if I was sitting here telling you that in order to work with me, it costs a million dollars, your first thought would be like, A, who the hell pays this guy a million dollars? And B, what crack comes, you know, what comes with that? So there's a there's a perceived value to uh, pricing yourself higher. And when it's too much, it's the start of a really good conversation. You get a lot of really great information um, when they want to work with you, but it's too much money. When you charge too little, you don't learn anything. You just get a yes. And you're like, oh, that was easy. And it's clouded by you know, the happiness that you got the deal. But in reality, you left a lot of money on the table mm -hmm. and you didn't learn anything about their buying process, where the money's coming from, um, who makes the decisions, any of that. Uh, yeah, risk of the relationship, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, ri right. The best thing that you can do is get a no because it's too expensive. It's the greatest that you should go out and do that as many times as possible. Um, oh, fuck. I had another thought. I should go sell my body. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um oh fuck Dude, cheers to know. cheers to you uh, oh <laughs> nice yeah cheers. i like i like the drinking I, um <laughs> well i come prepared i call this the covid cocktail when you have two kids you go get your second covid shot grab yourself a few beers and you have yourself a night yeah mm -hmm. okay that's nice yeah. I'm, I'm trying to go off beer lose a little weight uh it's actually been working sadly because that's how much beer i've been drinking um I did that for a while, but I, repl I, I, I uh, unfortunately, I interviewed a health conscious uh, person, and she said that the best thing to drink is uh, pure vodka. Uh-huh. So I'm, I took I'm her listening. <laughs> yeah. Da. And? There's a downside. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, if you drink more of it, it's probably not great. More than right. the equal so, amount. You know. Yeah, it doesn't, it, it's not, it might be healthier for your body, but it doesn't, long-term, you should just, we should all just Do stop mushrooms. drinking or, or, yeah. or take Mogul periodic, weed. you know, breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't like to do anything too much. Uh, moderation in, in terms of moderation or whatever that Oscar Wilde quote, I fucking, I butcher You are down today. Dude, you, yeah. You normally pop those off, no problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pop it off. Um. I'm trying to think, uh, we, we gotta, we ask everybody that comes on the show and I'm sure I'm going to have about 40 questions as soon as we're done here. Um, cause I'm going to like go about my, the rest of my day and be like, ah, oh, I should ask this. Um, well, like I said, I got two kids right outside that door and I'm happy where I am. Yeah. So your goal is to have kids. <laughs> Max but wants to go three ignore, hours, baby. Your goal yeah. is to have kids, but ignore I can't. Them. I'm still podcasting. Oh, I, yeah. No, you know what I think about is time. And the thing that everybody talks about that I've talked to, I ask a lot of older successful people because you find out that you, you think the busiest, most successful people are too busy to dispense advice. And it's quite the opposite. No one really asks them, I find, in general. I'm talking well, who says the most successful people are the busiest? Oh, I just, I, that a lot of people think they are right. Like they assume it, right. Because they're successful because good problems, right. We, yeah, because we, we correlate those right with the American kind of work ethic of getting to that, getting to that higher echelon, right. Uh, in business, I find that they don't get asked a lot. <laughs> a lot of them are like, I wish more people would ask me Nobody talks questions because I'd, I'd be happy to tell them everything I know a lot of the time. Um, time is the one thing I find from uh, everybody that I've talked to that's you know over 50 and been successful, what I would deem successful and what they wanted to accomplish. And time is the through line of like, I wish I didn't spend a lot of time on bullshit, like chasing bad clients and trying to make a deal when you haven't doubled your, your service price, uh, you know, those kind of things where you're spinning your wheels all the time and you're not really think you didn't really think it through. I think about that a lot right now, divorced dad life, because I'm like, okay, well, I've got the kids 50% of the time, you know, in, uh, of the week, I'm going to try to be a way, a little bit more present, try to be more present with them, try to like plan stuff to, I don't want to be an aloof dad, right? Divorced dad. You don't want to be the guy that's like, I'll just let you, you know, you didn't, 
you didn't have to bathe every day at my place, you know. And then they become the smelly kid at school and shit, and they're just wearing the same clothes every day. Like, you know, those like aloof divorced dads that just like you you have they have stories later like dad i can't believe you just let me eat cool ranch doritos every night kind of thing like that kind of shit Uh, i'm not there i'm not there yet but my wife's listening so (laughs) um hi um but you know i think about time and like i used to try to do the thing where i'm watching the babies when they were babies and like and try to work at the same time and i i burned out bad uh and i think time if there's a through line of this whole conversation, it it is like, what do you want to do? But really, it's like, what do you want to do with your time in the future? Oh, I, I got a few things. I got a few things to say about time. Uh, I think the biggest I just, mistake. I just watched Inception for- on on mushrooms, so take that for what it's worth. Oh goodness! Oh, well, and Interstellar. That's a Interstellar. Yeah. Uh, ecstasy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> too much don't do that no not not a good use of time uh but anyway back to time a big mistake uh a big mistake people make is to equate time with value and you know their big problem is i tell them double your prices and they say oh well you know it only takes us 10 hours and uh you know we we can't you know we can't justify that cost but i had to life hack my dad one time because my dad wouldn't charge for his advice. And I said, dad, I want you to hold up your right hand and tell me that everything you have learned for your entire life is worth nothing. <laughs> and he couldn't do it. And the reality is that when you're selling strategy, when you're selling planning, when you're selling your knowledge, you are not selling your time. You are selling access to a lifetime of accumulated knowledge. Number one, it's priceless. Number two, it goes up in value every single day. That's what I think about time. That's good. It's wisdom. Yeah. there you go knowledge times experience equals wisdom kind of thing squared sure um why not well i feel like okay cube that bitch who cares Mm -hmm. it's more expensive and you know what here's another thing about raising your prices double your prices if you get a no get four more no's then split the difference yeah yeah you can always go hey we've got a promotion or we've got something going on you can have a reason to, to follow back up and go hey let's we can do it at this no yeah it's uh but you're 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 saying you're you're setting your market price by figuring law, that out law. it's law I, I can solve all your problems give me forty thousand dollars my you can you can solve my impotence problems? okay <laughs> no, no no it's too it's too it's too expensive give, give it to me it's too, too expensive uh, we don't, I don't we can't afford it well law uh you know, I think today is your lucky day because I got more business than I can handle. I am extremely confident that I can uh, have a major impact on you, and I know it's the right thing to do. What does it need to look like uh, to to work together? Because I'm I'm kind of I just kind of want to do it. What, what does it need to look like? If you're into it, I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, we could you know we could probably work it down to if you can do something in the twenty. Whatever comes after yeah. that, it doesn't matter. Whatever right. comes after that doesn't matter. It you're now you've set you've set your perceived value, mm-hmm. right? And you set that high. Yep. And maybe the maybe the day before you were charging twenty grand, mm-hmm. but now they're gonna feel like they got a deal for twenty one thousand, twenty five thousand. Maybe you get the twenty, but you have a little equity. Maybe you get 20, but you have a little revenue share on, on yep. the top. So you put mm-hmm. yourself in a really powerful negotiating position while making them feel like they're getting a deal. Um, it, it, you just, you, you got to raise your prices. It's, it's uh, sobering. Yeah. And, and uh, here's a pragmatic, practical tip. If you do like your invoices monthly for someone or whatever, uh, make sure to cross out, you know, give them the full rate. And then cross it out. Make sure the discount's on there every time, every time you do it, so they know that you're that's your rate, and you cut it for them every month or every time they get a bill. So they know that your your value's there every time. And then when they don't pay, take them to you court. Go for that top one that was crossed out. Which uh, I've got about five fun yeah. old bad debt clients yeah. about to get that that uh, that notice in the mail. I one time I interviewed a business consultant that was an auctioneer. That her profession was an auctioneer, and she would teach people how to always raise her price, like the exact opposite of what we're talking about, mm-hmm. and and talk about the value of 
raising your prices every time and saying, hey, I usually charge this much, but for you, I'm going to charge more. Really interesting, uh, uh, really interesting person to talk to. In other words, the perceived value uh, or, or what happens mentally when you know that you're paying more than everybody else. Because there are people out there that relish in the fact that they pay more for things that, that other people pay less for, like cars. Ooh, oh, yeah. I got an example for you. This is what I was trying to think of, and I couldn't. Uh, the, here's a recent company. It's a product company, mostly, that doubled the price of their product. And then and it was publicly known, and they sold more than anybody pre-COVID era. Peloton bikes. Explain that. Like, how do you do? Peloton was how already an expensive bike system, right? It was, and then they doubled it. They just doubled the prices, and, and they didn't add any value or anything. They didn't have a new product line that came out. They just straight up doubled them, and they fucking crushed it. Because what you're talking about is, on the on the consumer level, people want to go you know, be very smug. I've got a Peloton, yeah. you know, like, uh, and you want to be that hot chick in the commercial that really doesn't exist. That gets up at four 30 mm. and, and bikes well, before the family wakes up. Well, here, here's a, here's another fun story uh, about pricing because during COVID all of my advice here went out the window. So during COVID uh, we decided uh, we, we, uh, my business partner and I uh, came up with a service and we called it, Oh shit. That's what we called it. Oh shit! And uh, the premise was, you pay what you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, turns out, Panera Bread did that. Panera, Panera Bread did that at a location in um, uh, in uh... there. You go, There's San Francisco, California, I, Poughkeepsie. Sure, that's not it. It's like a Atlanta, an Atlanta location. Thank you. Took San Francisco to get there. Um, you're welcome. And they yeah, made they confused it, and and their and their sales skyrocketed because it turns out people don't know what a muffin costs. So they just came in. They're like, oh, wow, you're doing pay a muffin. Twenty dollars. Here's yeah, here's here's five bucks. You know, they get a muffin and a coffee and all of a sudden it was the equivalent of raising their prices 50 percent. Same thing happened to me. Uh, I took on about 20 customers at a time when no one else was taking on customers. Just it, the, people were not going to pay me the 30 grand. That was my price point at the time. It wasn't going to happen. So we, we created, uh, we, we interviewed all of our past customers. We said, most, what's the most valuable thing we've ever done? We took that little piece and we made it the oh shit program. We said, all right, this is what we'll do. And uh, we put like a, like a $6,000 price point on it. And uh, we said, pay what you can. And we took people on at 500, as long as anything. I said, I, on the calls, I said, you have to decide right now. I don't have time for this. The world's ending. I don't have time to negotiate with you. Sense of urgency. Pick nice. a pick it right. Pick a and and by the way, the the freaking <laughs> the time I saved closing deals right there and not having to follow up and make. I was like, there is no proposal. You pick uh, you pick a number between a dollar and six thousand dollars, and we start working tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I took on twenty clients during COVID when otherwise nothing else would would uh, would have happened. Most of the people paid half up front and half. Maybe half of those people never paid the second half, but uh, sure. so, like, twenty I don't know, maybe 10% paid full price. We had a couple of people pay full price. We had a couple of people pay half. We had a couple of people do installments, $1,000 here, $1,000 there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the moral of the story is... Um, you kind of... I don't know. If, you figure out your market a- price is, is a, a lot of... Uh, you, you know, you're, you're, the market demands what the market demands, right? So... Uh, you're almost, it sounds like you're doing almost experiments with that, uh, with your business. I think, I think the moral of the story is that people are trying to sell things. Uh, and they're not listening to what people need and then asking what they would pay for it. And because they are not disciplined enough to have everything they do in uh, having operational procedures, knowing what everything costs, to then say, okay, you have this problem, you have this much budget, I know what I can do for you and still be profitable and still uh, have that engagement lead to a, a more uh, consistent, ongoing consulting thing. So maybe that's the point. I don't know. Well, um, you know, 
I feel like we could talk uh, this philosophy, strategy, all this stuff for hours. Uh, we'll have you back on. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this book and uh, need to figure out how to take this podcast, productize it into a book as well. Um, uh, what's it called? We ask everybody that comes on, what advice would you give your 13-year-old self? <laughs> so you can, you can time travel. You can go back in time. he understands the question. Well, his eyes widened very big. His yeah, pupils started getting bigger, I so maybe Max he's just... on something. <laughs> uh-huh. So maybe we just blew Shrooms his mind. Biz- business-wise? Can we keep it, it business-wise? It can be business. It can be personal. It can be, you can... Did you have a business at 13? Flipping um, pogs. My my first business was teaching uh, my foreign college classmates how to ace class participation because I went to a I went to a school with a lot of uh, Middle Eastern women, and in their culture you don't speak up. Turns out that a lot of uh, turns out that a lot of courses in uh, high high cost colleges are based on participation made some good money with that really hmm. weird so you're talking first businesses yeah and that at 13 is that what you said maybe i would have told my 13 year old self just to do that just call it quits that's your business do that you know it's a good market for it simplify no i would have i would have told myself that um earlier on i i i would have uh i would have designed the personal life that i wanted I, I didn't like I heard my dad's advice, but I was still in this culture of, all right, I'm going to go to college. Totally unnecessary. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to uh, find a nine to f- find a, a nine to five job. I'm going to you know have this career and, and that's what I'm going to measure my self-worth on. And uh, I would have I told myself, uh, yeah, that's that's complete bullshit just like you want to work one day a week great multiply your prices by five there's your one day work week do you think you needed that though to get to where you are now no because you need uh i think a powerful motivator is knowing what it's like because the when you're do when you're working three days a week or when you're doing your own thing what you what's guaranteed is that you're going to have a lot of you're going to have more advice. You're going to have more people telling you you're crazy than people telling you you're doing the right thing Mm -hmm. because 99% of the people you interact with are going, well, you're crazy. That's risky. You know, I got this job over here. This is what you should be doing. So they're projecting their own fear too. Right. They're protecting, right. They're protecting their own values and what they grew up with. So even if I had stumbled into doing the right thing to your point at 15, 13 years old, I would still be grass is greener on the other side. And I would still have thrust myself into what everybody else says was the thing. And, you know, cause doing your own thing ain't easy. It's scary as hell. Uh, but when you're successful at it, you're actually happy. Whereas when you're successful at, you know, typical career stuff, you end up making too much money and you get fired uh, when you're the person that's making the most money, and then you have to start over. And I think that's what my dad put the fear in me, is like, you don't want to be in a position where you'll have to start over. People, people say entrepreneurs uh, or uh, you know, people doing their own thing uh, are at risk. Well, there's nobody that can take all of my clientele and all of my income all at once. There's nobody that can do that. And yet everybody that works for somebody else, everybody that has a full-time professional job, there is a single person with their finger on the button that could make your income disappear tomorrow. That's risky. Yeah. And cryptocurrency trading. Yeah. That too. also that. Yeah. Divorce. And and I understand <laughs> the comedy business is quite difficult as well. Uh man, I yeah. Uh I need to take a more calculated approach to that career. But you know, that's uh, I kind of bucketed anything artsy as you don't make money. You can sell you- an online course of how to start your online career in comedy. Uh, sell uh, your knowledge. You haven't seen my act, so <laughs> why don't you listen to some jokes first? Let's, and then yeah, we'll let's talk see about if I'm qualified. Teach people. Hmm. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it's one of those things where um, 
Yeah, well, I I don't want to keep us going. I'll I'll keep us uh, talking, and we got to cut it off because Eric's got a hot date. Um, but you realize I'm incentivized for the opposite. What? Not yeah. not dating keep Eric. Keep this going as long as oh, possible. you can yeah. just uh, you can just just uh, pretend. Just, yeah, just talk. <laughs> just yeah. Just talk and talk. Yeah. See you. See you guys. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I appreciate the fam letting you uh, letting you do this, uh, as they're probably uh, your wife's probably waiting on you to have a break, like that. Uh, all right, and then dump everything on you. That thing. Um, but uh, but we'll uh, we'll have you back on, man. This is wildly interesting, and uh, appreciate uh, you know randomly connecting like we did. Yeah, man. Thank you.